also David. I'm also DG. I'm also, hey, it's time to eat. Um, I'm also whatever. I'm some guy named Dave. Anyway, um, uh, it is, I'm, I'm glad that you're here with us today. Last week, we began a series called, Now This Changes Everything. And we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, you know, and, and how Easter morning, how the resurrection was forever a world-changing event. I mean, everything that people thought they knew was turned on its head. And, you know, just when, when Jesus came from that grave, when he rose from the dead. And because of the resurrection... I mean, like I said, it changes everything, Every, everything in our lives. Because of the resurrection, we can let go of the fear that's hounded us and the fear that's trapped us and the fear that's kept us bound up uh, and, and grips our lives. We can let go of it. We, we, can, we can worship Jesus as he deserves to be worshiped. And, 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 you know, and how thankful I am this morning. There was just such a, there, there was a spirit of worship in this place uh, just this just atmosphere of worship in here this morning. It was wonderful. I, I want to tell you something. Yesterday, yesterday morning when I was praying, um, I was praying about worship, and you know I, I I pray regularly. God, let our worship be God honoring. Let it let let it please you. Let it bless you. Let it honor you, Lord, and 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 give us a spirit of worship. Give us a. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always praying for, you know, as we come together and worship, you know, I think one of the, one of the uh, saddest things in the world would be for the, the, the church of believers to come together and not give God the worship that he deserves, not give Jesus the worship that he deserves, but just kind of sing songs without thinking about it. So I'm always praying, God, fill our hearts with worship, with, with passionate worship. Well, as I was praying this yesterday, I got this picture in my mind, and uh, it does, doesn't have, things like that don't happen to me very often, but I got this picture in my mind, and, you know, the team was up here playing, and everybody was out here worshiping, and this radiance, this light began to radiate up from the, the, from the, the, the seats and from the stage here. It just began to radiate up toward heaven, and it was it was the glory of God. Just just the light just kept increasing, going up, and then the next moment I was outside, and I was like looking down from above, and I'm looking down at our building, and and you know this is all in my mind, you know nothing weird, um, and but but God gave me this picture and. This the light radiated out through the building, out through the building, and just started rising in the air. And then I looked around. I looked around, and I saw churches all over town, all over town. And I saw the same thing. I saw this light radiating upward, and it was like a cloud that was that was just rising and spreading and growing. And pretty soon, you know. The, 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 the praise from this church was combining with the praise from that one. And then from that one, you know, the vineyard was combining with Exodus and was in Genesis. And then you had the Nazarene church and you had the Baptist churches and, and you had the assembly of God and, and, and you know, the Methodists. And, and the praise of God was just lifting up and forming this, 
this radiating light where it started out just these individual individual things uh spots it's like it all started rising up and it was growing and formed this cloud of glory uh, that that was just reaching up to heaven and i got the sense god was so pleased and that god was just up there and he was just loving the the, the worship listening to all the songs and the thing is he's god so he can distinguish you know the songs that they're singing and the songs that they're singing and that we're singing and that and it was just all coming together and he was so pleased because churches were worshiping Jesus as he as he was as he deserves to be worshiped so you know the, that we can do that because of the resurrection and because of the resurrection we can walk daily in the presence in his presence and in his power he's no longer in the grave he's with each one of us He's in each believer, and we can walk in his presence and his power. Now, today, we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper and talk about how, can, how, we begin, how we can begin to walk in the fullness of the life uh, that the resurrection has opened up to us. Um, <clears throat> Nancy, or is Nancy? Hi, Nancy. Your hair's darker. Okay, could you put on a picture that I have ready there to put on? All right, I want you to take a look at that car. Anybody know what it is? Close. <clears throat> what? Six, it's a 1965 Buick, not just a Buick. It's a 19, no, it's a 1965 Buick Wildcat. <clears throat> now, when Lisa and I were married, we were married in 77. When we were married, her, Lisa's great aunt had one of these cars. Yeah, that's right. She had one of these cars. That car had a 425-inch cubic engine. Something close to like 360 horsepower, 350, 360, something like that. Top speed was just over 190 miles an hour. It had the bells and whistles, which in 1965 means it had power locks, powered the doors, you know, all that, had a radio, and had air conditioning. I mean, in 1965, you didn't see a lot of cars with air conditioning. We didn't have one until after 1980. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, this car had so much. The thing is, my, or, or Lisa's aunt, Aunt Mim, was in her 80s. <laughs> she lived with her brother, Fred. And they had no idea what they had in their hands. She would drive the car on the highway, country highway, six miles out to the lake and back, and a little bit around town. And that car didn't go over 30 miles an hour. I mean, even going out to the lake, those six miles out to the lake, 
wouldn't, she wouldn't go over 30 miles an hour. And you weren't allowed to touch any of the things, adjust anything inside of it. You weren't allowed to turn on the air conditioning because if you turned on the air conditioning, something might break. Something might go wrong with it. That car was never utilized as, uh, as it could have been. Now, I'm not saying that old Aunt Mim and Fred could, should have, you know, uh, should have, you know, taken it down and tested the top speeds going down the highway. I think they did do over 30. They had to do over 30 once when they came to our wedding, and they drove, and, and they didn't drive it. Somebody else did, and I'm sure they went over 30 once they hit the interstate, but that was probably about the only time. We inherited that car after she passed, um, but by the time we did, it was so out of shape and had so many problems because it had never been used. I mean, if you let a car, car is one of those things, if you just let it sit in a garage, it will deteriorate. If you don't use it, if you don't get out and regularly use it, you, it will deteriorate. For, for instance, uh, one example is a muffler. You know if you drive a car and just park it, and it's just sitting there, you would think that driving it would wear out the muffler. No, driving it uh, 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 dries out, driving it dries out the moisture in it. If you let it just sit in your driveway and don't drive it, it rusts out. You got to replace it. The engine, the, the carburetor gums up. That was when they had carburetors rather than, you know, fuel injection. Everything gums up. It, you, you, by the time we got it, it wasn't worth much of anything. What a shame. I, not that I would have tested the top speeds on that, um, I, but oh my goodness, it, it was it was something else. The thing is, it was it was a muscle cruiser, is what it was called. Buick Wildcat was known as a muscle cruiser, and it had all the trappings of a muscle car, all the power of a muscle car, but it had the ride of a cruising car, and it was awesome on the highway, so comfortable, such a great ride. But yet, she never utilized all the power that was available to her. Today, we're going to look at a couple of stories in the book of Acts that illustrate a similar situation. You know, there are people who believed in Jesus, were following Jesus, but they weren't tapping into all the power that was available to them. And if you've ever wondered, well, why doesn't the Christian life work for me the way I've seen it work for others? If you've ever asked yourself, why don't I have the power in my life to do what I believe God wants me to do? Or if you've ever thought there must be more, then this message is for you. So I want to take a look at these two. They're two separate stories, but they're tied together with a common theme. So we're going to look at them, to, look at them together. First, I want to look at the story of Apollos. It's reading Acts 18, starting in verse 24. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. So let's pause right there. So he's a follower of Jesus. Apollos, is, he, he's a follower of Jesus, and he's from Alexandria, which is the intellectual capital of the ancient world. 
And now he's living in Ephesus, and he's going into the synagogue in Ephesus. He's boldly preaching. He's passionately teaching about Jesus with accuracy. And what he taught was right. The problem was he only had part of the picture. His knowledge was limited. All he knew was what he had learned from John the Baptist's disciples. That's all he knew. Apparently, he was familiar with Jesus. He was familiar with, with Jesus' teachings. He believed that, that he was the Messiah, but the knowledge was incomplete. It's possible that he didn't even know about the crucifixion and resurrection. If he had just been taught by John's disciples, you know, this was relatively new. We're talking about a church that's, 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 that's forming here, a church that's, that's just start, starting up, and, 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 you know, all the news hadn't spread yet. So, you know, it's possible that he didn't even know about the crucifixion and resurrection, just that, that the apostle, or excuse me, that the, John the Baptist came along and said, hey, you know, the kingdom of God is coming it's about here. There's one that's coming after me. There he is. That's Jesus. Listen to him. So then Jesus taught, and it's possible that's what the, uh, 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 the that was the limit of his uh, of his teaching or, uh, of his knowledge and what he was able to to teach. So along come Priscilla and Aquila. Now Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and wife who most likely had converted uh, or been converted in disciple under Paul, the Apostle Paul's ministry. They were knowledgeable in the Scriptures. And verse 26 says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him t- preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately, or some translations say more adequately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Acacia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Acacia and, uh, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be a great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews and the powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Because of this, because of the you know, further teaching he received from, from Priscilla and Aquila, Apollos continued his ministry, and now with more complete knowledge and understanding and effectiveness of who Jesus was and what that means for us. He became a leader in the church, and some even believe he is the author of the book of Hebrews. See, the book of Hebrews never identifies in the book who wrote it. Some think Apostle Paul, although most people don't, most scholars don't believe that, uh, but some, some believe it's Apollos, some believe that it's uh, Priscilla. Uh, some believe that it's uh, that it was authored by uh, Barnabas. There's, there's a lot of different theories, and we really don't know. Could very well have been Apollos, but the fact is he was a leader in the church, and uh, uh, as after he came into more complete knowledge. Short time later, then, short time after this, Paul came through Ephesus, and he met up with some disciples there, and this is where our second story begins. The very beginning of the next chapter, chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior reasons until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, 
John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So once again, we have these, uh, we have these disciples, we have these believers, but they have limited knowledge. They received with faith John the Baptist's or Baptist message of repentance, and and John, you know, pointed them to to Jesus the Messiah. But their knowledge was limited. What they knew was good, what they knew was right, what they knew was true, but it was limited. It was incomplete. It says that they knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, any, any such thing as the, as the Holy Spirit, and how he had been poured out on the church. And, you know, this, this is a story, as I've said, of a developing church, a growing, brand new uh, a living church. And, you know, they had partial knowledge, but with no power. So Paul told them about the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, it says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. These two stories illustrate where many believers are today. Like driving a car with way more power available than what was being utilized because they don't know. They aren't utilizing all the things that are available to them. Some knowledge about God and who He is, even familiar with the stories of, uh, 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 of Jesus' resurrection, maybe, maybe not. But as... But... but Today, so many believers, it's more of a story to read to our kids than a source of power and hope for our lives. It's been relegated to a story rather than a living source of power. These believers in Ephesus, they heard the stories, and, 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 you know, and, and, and Paul brought them up to date. He told them all about Jesus. He told them what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And he baptized them in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on them and he prayed for them. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And they begin to, to prophesy and to speak in tongues. Both of these stories have something, something in common with believers today, with, with many believers today. They identify as believers, but for various reasons, their experience with Jesus doesn't go much farther than just some head knowledge or a surface level experience. It's not, you know, not, not because of insincerity or anything like that, it's, but, it, but they're lacking in knowledge and experience. And the result is keep running into the same struggles and hitting the same roadblocks over and over and over. There's a sense that something's missing there doesn't seem to be any power in their life. They look at others and wonder to themselves, why isn't this life that, that you know, I proclaimed? Why isn't this Christian life working for me the way that it seems to be working for others, the way that I see it working for others? And if that sounds like what's been going on in your mind, then like I said a minute ago, you've come to the right place because this morning I want to talk to you about some choices that you can make that will help you to go deeper than just surface level. You'll find that the more you know and the more that you walk in what you know, and that's important, it's not just enough to hear things and know things, it can start there, 
but the more then you begin to walk in what you know, the more you'll experience the power of God in your life. And here's the first choice. Choose to go deeper in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's time. It's time. Maybe you've been hanging around for a little while. You've heard the stories and, and maybe you've responded by saying, yes, I want to turn my life over to Jesus and, and I want to surrender my life to him and live for him. But things have kind of stayed there. You know, you come to church and you, you, you listen to the word taught and, and you might, you know, worship a little bit, but, but uh, <clears throat> you know, but, but, but it's kind of stuck there hasn't really grown, haven't really grown. See, Apollos knew the Bible, and Apollos knew, us, Apollos knew it well. And, you know, keep in mind, when we talk about this here with Apollos, we're talking about the Old Testament, because the New Testament was still being written. It hadn't been compiled yet. It was still being written. He had already, you know, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He knew a great deal about Jesus. You know, it says that he taught about, taught about Jesus accurately, he taught with wisdom, I mean, with, with passion, but his knowledge was limited. He needed to go deeper. So enter Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 26 says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. As I said, some translations say more adequately. In other words, they took him aside and they said, now here's the rest of the story. Remember Paul Harvey? And now, the rest of the story. I love that. They took him aside. They filled in the gaps. Something to note here. Paulus could have really been, you know, say, hey, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Is what I'm saying wrong or is it right? Oh, well, it's right, but no, no, just never mind. What I'm saying is right. I know what I'm talking about. No, Paulus was, was not only knowledgeable, he was also teachable. Paulus was teachable. He taught with boldness. He taught with passion. Yet he didn't act like he knew it all. He didn't feel threatened when, when this woman and her husband approached him and said, there's more to the story. Let me tell you the rest of it. He didn't feel threatened when, when they came and said, and, and, and said, let me explain it more. He was teachable. And that's hugely important for us believers that we be teachable and that we be taught, that we learn. He put himself in a place to learn. He put himself under the teaching of Priscilla and Aquila. He was eager to learn more. He was eager to go deeper. As long as what he was receiving was soundly biblical and he knew enough to check it out, then he had, and he had good teachers, then he, then he wanted all he could get. And, you know, both Aquila and Priscilla were very knowledgeable in the scriptures. In fact, like I said, some believe that Priscilla is the author of, of Hebrews. Some scholars uh, believe that. And, uh, you know, as long as, you know, I mean, they were, they were knowledgeable in scriptures, and Apollos was eager to go deeper in his understanding. Here's the takeaway for us today. If you want more, then learn more. If you want more, learn more. Go deeper. Go deeper. How? How do I go deeper? One way is what you're doing right now. Coming to church, being taught regularly, not hit and miss, but being taught regularly, sitting under the teaching. 
Also, every year at the beginning of the year, I give out a, a throw out a challenge to read through the Bible cover to cover if you've never done that before. And, and how many people have taken me up on that? And how many have done that? At least once you've read through. Now there's more hands than that. Put them up high. Yeah, quite a few. Either one guy that I, I'm friends with, he's probably going on 15 years of that challenge every year reading it through. He just can't get enough. He just can't get enough. He's reading the Bible. He's learning all he can about the scriptures. And I'll admit, first time through it, you run into a whole lot of stuff. You think, what in the world? God, what were you thinking? I don't understand this. But the more you become familiar with the big picture, the whole story, the more it falls into place and, and begins to make sense. And, and so, so, you know, get into regular reading of the scriptures. If you're not reading it through, you know, straight through, that's fine. Then, then you know, focus on the New Testament maybe and, and get in regular, regular reading programs. You know, download the, the, the Uversion app or the, the, the Bible app. It's, and there's got thousands of programs on there uh, of reading plans that you can go through. Some of them as short as three days. Some of them a year long or two years long. Get on there and begin to get into the Word. Begin to feed yourself regularly. Read other books. Read other books that are good, that are going to feed you spiritually. Increase your knowledge as, as, as well as cause you to fall in love more and more with Jesus. Is Teresa in here today or is she, she uh, uh, no, she's teaching, she's teaching. Boy, I tell you something, I get messages from Teresa and, and you know, she'll, she'll message me, say, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking, what, what do you, can you recommend a book on this and, and, and that? And, and uh, a couple weeks ago or whenever it was, she wanted a book to just, you know, really look at all the evidence for the resurrection, all the evidence for Christianity, all the evidence for the, the, the truth of the scriptures and the reliability of the scripture. I sent her, you know, I, I said, okay, here's a book. Be good for that. Josh McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict has been recently updated. I read it years ago, but two years ago it was updated with the health of his, the help of his son. And, and it's, I, I talked to her this morning, she said, it's got so much stuff. That's a thick book, but it's got so much stuff. But you know what? She's devouring it. She's getting into it. She's learning, and her faith is growing in leaps and bounds. Isn't that true? You see it. You see it. But every time she talks to me, I'm thinking, God, what an amazing, you know, hunger for God and to know truth. Read more. You know, the scriptures and books that will feed your faith. You know, maybe books that, that tell stories about giants of the faith, people that tell stories. I love biographies. You know, I, I love, you know, reading of Charles Finney and D.L. Moody. You know, their uh, uh, Finney's autobiography, Moody's biography, uh, biography of, of uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, people like that that will help you grow in the faith. Feed yourself as, as, as much as you can uh, at, at, <clears throat> on a regular basis. Some of you have taken things a step farther and have, in, in taking classes in either Vineyard Institute or the School of Kingdom Ministry, and you've grown in knowledge through that. You've grown in your faith through that. You know, uh, make it a lifelong, your lifelong mission to grow deeper in your knowledge of Jesus because what you don't know could be holding you back. Could be holding you back. Second choice. It's time to go deeper in the Holy Spirit. 
not just in, in the knowledge of Jesus, but in the, in the things of the Holy Spirit too. Holy, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead, and he plays a key role in, your, in our ex- ability to experience God's power in our lives. And yet, much of the church ignores him because they don't understand him and they don't understand the things he does. And, and you know, they, 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 they want to understand everything intellectually, but when you're talking about supernatural gifts and the things of the Spirit, people tend to get uncomfortable sometimes. But, you know, we can't ignore the Holy Spirit if we walk in the fullness of everything that God has for me. I remember, you know, sometime, one time back when we were meeting in Harmony School years ago, I was talking to a young man, and he, he was hungry for the things of God, and he was hungry for the Holy Spirit, but he had been taught some wrong teaching, some, some bad teaching, you know, growing up, and, and it, he, was, he was kind of afraid of, of the Holy Spirit, kind of afraid he might turn into a weirdo, you know, because, let's face it, there are some models out there in some churches that aren't really um, helpful in our understanding of things, right? And so I, 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 remember, I remember to a T, I mean, just, just so clearly praying for him. It was as we're standing up front, it was over here on this side. We, we met sideways in the gym and the stage in the school gym was over there and we're right in front of it, right about there, right about where Brad's sitting. And, and we said, okay, let's pray. He said, and I told him, let's pray this. Let's pray, and you just ask God, you know, just, you know, instead of asking him to, you know, to, for all this, just say, God, I want everything you have for me. That's safe prayer, isn't it? No. No, Steve, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's a scary prayer. I mean, you can trust God. You know, Bible says he's not going to, He's not going to give you a, uh, uh, what is, uh, uh, fish if you, uh, or a stone if you ask for a fish or a serpent, whatever it is. I can't quote it right now, but, you know, he, he, he's not going to, uh, he, he's going to give you what you ask for. You can trust him. He is a good God. So he said, okay, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for more of you. I don't understand all of this. But I want everything that you have for me. Everything. I'm hungry and I want, if you have something for me, I don't care if I understand it or not, I want it. And he prayed that. And I got to watch as God began to move in his life and to begin to develop him in the things of the Spirit. And, and he has a ministry now of, of um, interpreting dreams. God's given him a gift, the ability to be able to interpret spiritual dreams. Not, not pizza dreams. You know, those don't need much interpretation. But I mean spiritual dreams, like we see so many in the Bible, you know, throughout the scriptures, uh, interpreting dreams. It's so, so wonderful to see that, you know, but... Um, uh, so, so that's, uh, uh, that, that, that's one way, uh, you know, j- just ask God, just ask God. I have no idea where I was in this, um, um, 
but yeah, you know, just ask God to use you and to fill you. This week we're starting a, the, the the small group that we're starting on on it, it, we're talking about going deeper in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the gift of healing. Talking about how God heals today, you know, and He heals through His church. He heals through His people. You know, so there's solid teaching. There's going to be faith-building stories and, and then practice time as well. See, a lot of, a lot of uh, times we tend to think moving in the power of the Holy Spirit is for somebody else. We discount it. We think, oh, it's not for me. I could never do that. But God wants to use each one of us. See, the truth is God wants all believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not for a few. It's not for just one here and a couple over there. It's not for these over here that are super spiritual. or whatever. God wants every single believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants every single believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He wants every single believer to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He wants every single believer to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit to be a part of our regular, a regular part of our lives. But how does that happen? We have to learn about him. And then we have to ask him. If you're a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. Ask for a release of his power. Ask him to fill you. Ask him to baptize you. Ask him to empower you. Ask him to use you in the gifts. Ask, 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 and keep on asking. Don't just ask once and say, okay, did my duty, I'm done. Dodged a bullet on that one. No, be hungry for it. Seek it. Ask it for more and more. Acts 1.8 says when, the, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Then, then when you receive that power, step out in faith and take a risk and use that power. If you ever said, where's the power in my life? What's missing? The power you need for victory is available only through the Holy Spirit. It's not through just pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and and, you know, knuckling down and, and, and just going through on your own willpower. That'll only get you so far. The power you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm challenging you today to seek a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Start every day with something like this, praying something like this. Holy Spirit, fill me now. I need your power. I surrender myself completely to you. I'm yielding myself to do your will, but I need you. Show me today what you want to do. Fill me today. Give me the power that I need for the things that you want me to do today. Pray that at the beginning of each day, and then pray it again throughout the day. And in the process, learn how to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Learn how to listen to His voice. You know, we listen to, we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit just by trial and error. You know, it's like, a lot, usually what happens is, you know, we hear the Holy Spirit's whispering, we are not sure about it, and so we kind of wait on it a little while, and then we talk ourselves in, out of it thinking, oh, that was just me. And we go through that a few times, and then later on we think, man, I know that was God talking to me. I know it was. I should have stepped out. I should have, you know, I, sh I, I, I should have uh, 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 listened and acted on it. And then one time we take that step and say, I'm not going to talk myself out of it this time. I'm not going to delay until it's too late. I'm going to act on it right now. And God shows up. And all of a sudden, wow, God, is, you're, you, you are awesome. And he, he uses us. God wants each believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the extent that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are at work in our lives. 
Paul prayed for the disciples at Ephesus that they received the Holy Spirit. He taught them. He talked to them about the Holy Spirit. They didn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he, 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 he prayed that then they would receive the Holy Spirit. And when they did, they began to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. There's all kinds of gifts. It only lists two there. But there's all kinds of gifts. But they all have one thing in common. You know what it is? They're used to benefit somebody else. They are used to benefit somebody else. God has given you or wants to give you a spiritual gift. And when he does, you are to use it to benefit others. Leads me to the third thing. If you wonder what's missing from your Christian experience, it's time to go deeper in using your God-given gifts to serve others. So Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? So we can help each other. See, the life we've been given is not about us. The more I make life about myself, the more I'm going to feel like something is missing because we were never created to be all about ourselves. Never. We need to look beyond ourselves. Mark and Julie used to go to church here. Several of you will remember them. They moved on to, to Memphis, but, and, you know, and, and, but they're always both so helpful or so, so focused on helping others. And with, with Mark, you know, every time I see him, every time I, I, I see him, you know, as he's talking, he's always asking somebody, can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can help you? Somebody comes to him and, 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 and tells him about something they're, they're going through or a problem that they're dealing with, whether at work or, or in their personal life, whatever. It's always, what can I do for you? It's not just, oh, I'm going to say I'm going to pray for you and then walk away and forget it. It's, what can I do? What can I do for you? Focused on others, always wanting to know how he can help others every day no matter how busy he is he's always asking how can i help what can i do to help or what can i do for you see when the holy spirit empowers us the holy spirit empowers us so we can serve others it's not for ourselves it's power to serve others the way the kingdom of god works the more we serve others the more we ourselves are filled and fulfilled because when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, everything changes. You know, just like Lisa's great aunt driving around in a muscle car, a muscle cruiser, with all that power available and only utilizing a fraction of it. It's time we look at what we have available to us. And it's time to put the pedal to the metal. It's time to utilize it. Time to, time, 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 to, time to go for it. It's time to go deeper in our knowledge of Jesus and deeper in the Holy Spirit and all the ways that he wants to use us. It's time to ask him and expect him to use us. Ask him and expect him to fill us and then to use us. And if we make ourselves willing and available, he will use us to touch and change a hurting world. People all around us need for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to touch their lives to make a difference. I want to invite you this morning 
to take the next step. I want you to think about what is the next step from where I am? How do I go deeper? What is the next step? Maybe it's just to cross that line and finally say, yes, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus and I'm going to start walking this life. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's to say, you know, I've taken that step and now it's time I'm going to go public with it. I've never been baptized and I'm going to go public and I'm going to be baptized because I want everyone to know that I'm following Jesus. Maybe it's to schedule regular times in God's word instead of hit and miss. Maybe it's to take that step and to ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to empower you, to fill you, and then to begin to step out. I want you to think about what your next step is. Then I want to pray for us. Father, I pray right now for everyone here. Every person here, Lord, has a next step. Every one of us has a next step to take. I want you to show us what it is. Then I want to invite you right now to just say, yes, Lord, I'll take it. Whatever it is, just in your heart, say, yes, Lord, I'll take it. And commit to it. Father, let your Holy Spirit rest on us right now. As people are wrestling with this, there's some that are wrestling with this. They know the next step, but they're hesitant. I pray that you would give them the faith and the grace to be able to say, yes. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to stand back anymore. I want to get full use out of the faith that's been given to me. I want to walk in its fullness. I want to put the pedal to the metal. And I'm going to go for it. Jesus, you gave your life. And you died for me. Now I want to give my life and live for you. Father, for those that need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptize them. Do it now. Do it on their way home. Do it in their, in their prayer time with you, whenever. But baptize them. Lord, I want everyone in this church to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness of the things of the Spirit. And that's what you want, Lord. So I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. Now, if as the worship team comes up and gets ready, um, I want to invite you to whatever, take out that green card again, and whatever is um, somewhere on the back, find a place to write. Somewhere on the back, find a place to write and to say, um, my next step is this. That's if you're committing to it. Say, my next step is, and then write what it is. So we want to celebrate with you.
Now, ushers are gonna come and they're gonna get ready to collect the green cards. So they pass the bags, go ahead and drop the card in the bag and as it comes by and um, uh, they'll make sure that it gets to the, to the right place. Um, if you are visiting here, it's your first time here and you haven't visited our welcome center yet, then take your green card out there and give it to uh, the person standing at the table and uh, we've got a gift bag that we would have put together we'd like to give you just as our way of saying thank you for worshiping with us today and for being uh, here with us today. So take your green card and take it out there as we're, as, uh, we're dismissed and uh, we'll make sure we get that gift bag to you.